0: Jesus is your adopted son? Dr. John Whitcomb will help us ponder that question as he continues his study of Joseph, Jesus' legal father, today on Encounter God's Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and we're in the middle of a special series for this Advent season called The Fears and Faith of Joseph. Joseph appears to have been a humble man who faced many challenges throughout his life. Perhaps you can relate to that from your own experience, but as our speaker will show us today... The Lord used Joseph in spite of the profound difficulties he faced, so that we trust that you will be encouraged by this unique perspective on one who, as I said last week, may be the most neglected person in the Christmas story. Dr. Whitcomb comes now to teach us more about this man, Joseph, telling us how he was frustrated as a father.
1: Friends, it's amazing to think at this Christmas season what God had to do to bring his beloved son into the world. And among the other things that happened, of course, the choice of Mary to be the mother was the choice of Joseph to be the legal father. And we've seen some things about him, have we not already? That he was not the king. He didn't look like the king. He didn't think he was the king. As a matter of fact, he couldn't have been the king because of the curse of Jeconiah. But, you know, through all those years that he served as the official legal father of Jesus up in Nazareth, it must have been a very frustrating life for Joseph. I mean, can you imagine everybody saying, "Oh, that who, who's Jesus here in the carpenter shop? Uh, he's not your son. You mean he's an illegitimate son?" And Joseph could never obviously say, well, "No," but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in in my in my wife's womb. Oh, really? Tell tell us more. He would never do. That. In fact, Jesus never said that. It, it, it amazes me in his public ministry. Jesus never referred once to his virgin birth virgin conception, I should say, and his birth in Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? Now, friends, we know the reasons for that because the people weren't ready for that. They had to accept his claims first, his gracious words, his signs and wonders by the Holy Spirit to repent and believe the message before they could talk about these other details. And I say, Lord, help us today to be careful how we communicate these things too. We don't argue with people about these matters. We don't argue about many things that are very technical and very tender, very delicate and fragile in biblical revelation, for example, we don't go into the details about how the world was created with a person who doesn't even believe that Jesus is the Creator. The Lord Jesus warned us about that, didn't he? Do not cast your pearl, I hate to quote this: Do not cast your pearls before swine. Why not? They'll trample underfoot and turn and rend you. What do you have to do to really help people? Do what is necessary to change swine into sheep. Pray for them. Love them. Tell them who Jesus is, that he died for their sin and rose from the dead to be their Savior. And when their heart is opened, then they can be taught, just like I was as a former evolutionist at Princeton University. One night in my dorm room, my spiritual father led me to the Savior. And that moment, all things passed away. All things became new. And I became what? Teachable. Teachable for the first time in my life. And I say, Lord, help me to help people to be teachable by approaching them lovingly, carefully with the gospel. And then we can talk about some of these things. Now, friends, just just think for a moment. Joseph, the legal father of the Son of God on earth, was a very frustrated man for years back in Nazareth, his hometown. A humble carpenter, claiming to be the what? The legitimate father of the Son of God? the Messiah, the King of Israel, people doubtless would laugh at such a thing. You know, which makes us wonder, well, had, all, had the message of all those shepherds that, that saw the baby Jesus and heard the angels, had that all been forgotten? Had the testimony of Simeon and, and Anna been forgotten that, that they shared these things with those who were looking for the consolation of Israel? Uh, everything seemed to sink back into semi-darkness, didn't it, friends, in those years that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man, in Nazareth, in a carpenter's home. Now listen to what happened when Jesus was 12 years old. Talk about a frustrated Joseph. Listen to this. Luke chapter 2, verse 39. And when they, that's Mary and Joseph, had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. And the child, that's Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. In every way, he grew. Now remember, he set aside, when he became a human being, the independent exercise of attributes of greatness, such as knowledge and and power and omnipresence. He didn't set aside his virtues, love, holiness, truth, no. Very, very important here. But, but watch what happened when he was 12 years old. This is astonishing. His parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he became 12 years old, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, that is to Nazareth, after spending the full number of days, listen to this, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. He didn't tell Mary and Joseph. He, he just did his thing for his, as we shall see in just a moment. This is amazing. And his parents were unaware of it. Now, this this to me is remarkable. Listen. so They supposed him to be in the caravan as they were heading north and went a day's journey. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. They had such confidence in him. They didn't have to watch him every 10 minutes. They assumed he was with whom? With uh, relatives and acquaintances. But to their amazement, to their horror, they couldn't find him. So what did they have to do? Now listen to this. Mary and Joseph had to return to Jerusalem. Robber-infested territory all by themselves. See, Jews didn't do that kind of thing. They went with as groups for, for security uh, to protect themselves against uh, robbers and thieves. So Mary and Joseph had to walk all the way back a day's journey alone to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. And when they did not find him, They looked for him, and it came about that after three days, can you imagine that? A day to get back to Jerusalem, a day looking all over the city, and finally they thought, well, maybe, possibly he's in the temple. And they found him there, doing what? Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, this is the amazing thing. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He wasn't just asking questions. He was giving answers. A twelve year old boy had mastered the Hebrew Bible. Amazing, from Genesis to Malachi. Wouldn't you like to have a tape recording of that interchange, that, that exchange with those men in that temple? I'm sure they never forgot this boy, Jesus of Nazareth. My. Now what happened though? And when they, Mary and Joseph, saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Oh, friends, this is not the last time they'll be anxious about Jesus. They just didn't fully understand all the things that God the Father had in mind to prepare, equip, uh, qualify his son to be the savior of the world and the king of, of Israel. They uh, They were rebuked. Now, this is a loving, gracious, kindly rebuke from Jesus. Listen, and he said to them, To Mary and Joseph, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Whose house? My father's house. You say, well, I thought Joseph was his father. Yes and no. (laughs) Legally, yes. Actually, genetically, no. What an amazing thing. Who was his father? God, the father of heaven and earth. Jesus, equal to his father, in glory, from all eternity, I'm supposed to be here with in my, doing my father's business in this temple, and of course, that's not the last time he had a ministry in the temple, is it my father's house, and I say, Lord, I can't even visualize this. They did not understand the statement which he had made to them, and he went down with them and came to nazareth, and he can now listen, he continued in subjection to them he didn't he wasn't arrogant he was he didn't want to become independent throw off mary and joseph and the and the family no for another 18 long years he was in subjection to them and what his mother to say nothing of his legal father his mother treasured all these things in her heart and jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature And in favor with God and men. As the years went by, friends, there's no evidence whatever that uh, Joseph the carpenter in Nazareth was ever honored, respected, praised for his function in the land, in the nation of Israel, for what he did. In fact, he probably never lived to see his sons and daughters even saved, believers. How hard that must have been on him. How frustrating. Well, first of all, you, you say he had other children by Mary? Yes. Listen to Matthew uh, chapter thirteen, fifty-three, And it came about that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there and coming to his hometown, he began teaching them in their synagogue so that they became astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Now listen, is not the, this the carpenter's son? That's, of course, Joseph. Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And he did not do many miracles there. What? Because of their unbelief. You see, friends, uh, Joseph and Mary had s- uh, several children after Jesus was born. uh sons' four sons are mentioned. H- how many sisters we know not it says sisters are they not all with us? Uh, quite a family there, quite a family. But what was their attitude uh toward Jesus? Uh, how did Joseph fit into all this? Uh, turn with me now to uh, uh Matthew chapter twelve uh, verse forty six Matthew 12:46. Listen carefully. While Jesus was still speaking to the multitude in his public ministry, Joseph apparently was lo- dead by now. What happened? Behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. These, of course, were his half-brothers. And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Would you stop preaching and listen to your parent and your siblings. They are demanding that you stop this and talk to them. Wow, look at the answer he gave them. He answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, my Father, who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Amazing, is it not, dear friends, to think about how Jesus put them quietly, graciously, but firmly in their place. You say, you mean Joseph never lived to see any of his children as believers? No, because by the time Jesus' public ministry began, he's never mentioned again. Now listen carefully. John chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judah, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths as tabernacles, was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Now isn't this awful, friends? Listen. Depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may behold your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now watch verse 5 for not even his brothers were believing in him. Isn't that awful, friends? All the years that Jesus lived with Joseph and Mary and his siblings, his half-siblings in Nazareth, not one of them, as far as we know, ever believed in him. And I say, Lord, this is incredible. How, How sad that Joseph must have been to see this situation in Nazareth through all those years. Well, Jesus, of course, Jesus answered them and said, my time is not yet at hand, but your time is always p- opportune. You can do whatever you want. it doesn't. I have an agenda. I have a program, a plan from my, from my heavenly father. Now listen to this statement: The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. You go up to the feast yourselves. I do not yet go up to this feast because my, my time has not yet fully come. Now, friends, as I've said before several times, there's overwhelming evidence, therefore, in the Gospels that Joseph, godly man that he was, humble man that he was, never actually lived to see his family, his sons, come to the Lord. Now, we do know, praise God, that uh, two of these these brothers, half-brothers, did, after the resurrection of Jesus, acknowledge him as their Savior. And who were they? James and Jude. In fact, James became the pastor of the great church in Jerusalem. And I say, amazing, Lord, what a testimony he must have had in, in the city to be able to say, I lived for years in Nazareth with my half-brother, who is the creator of the world and the savior of the world. What about the half-brothers of Jesus, dear friends? Amazingly, after he rose from the dead, I mean, through his whole three and a half years of public ministry, we don't have any evidence that his half-brothers believed in him. But listen to what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. After that, after he appeared to the twelve, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, Paul said, but some have fallen asleep, have died. Then he appeared to James. That's his half-brother. And I say, we have no other clue, no other information on when, how, was he... a. Was this appearance the means by which James came to be a believer, like he appeared to to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? We don't know how James came to be a believer. And friends, this James, to whom Jesus appeared after his resurrection, was not only the pastor of the great church of Jerusalem, but wrote the famous epistle of James. And furthermore, he had a brother named Jude, who wrote, of course, the epistle, the letter of Jude. Jude says at the very beginning of his short letter, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Isn't that wonderful? To say that Jesus Christ, he was a bondservant of him. He certainly wasn't during the life of Joseph. No. Or before Jesus began or even during his public ministry. No. Isn't it amazing how God transformed these two men? But friends, that's not not the last we hear of those uh, half-brothers of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, just after Jesus ascended to heaven, listen to what happened. They, the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, and when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying, and all the twelve apostles are listed, that is the eleven minus Judas Iscariot. And it says these, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and who? And with his brothers. What brothers? Just James and Jude? How about the other two brothers that are named, as we have seen? And by the way, his sisters, no sisters are mentioned. Did they ever become believers in the Lord Jesus? We don't know that. And I say, Lord, what an amazing thing that happened. The amazing thing, really, friends, is that even two of these brothers, James and Jude, became believers. You, you see, living with Jesus for all those years was not enough, was it, to be born again? I mean, th- think of the apostles themselves. When Jesus died and rose again, doubting Thomas, he said, I will not believe that he came from the dead until I see the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints in his feet. And Jesus showed showed himself to Thomas and and, and and Thomas fell on the ground and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, now here's the point. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. None of us have the privilege that those brothers, half-brothers and half-sisters of Jesus had through all those years. But seeing Jesus in the flesh, on the earth, was infinitely insufficient to be born again, to be regenerated thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands saw him, heard him speak, saw the miracles he performed, but were not believers. And I say, Lord, help me to realize, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Of things not seen. So even though Joseph saw Jesus, his his adopted son, that didn't save him. He was a believer before before Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. And Seeing Jesus on this earth did not save anybody, not his half-brothers or half-sisters, nobody in the town of Nazareth that we know of and where he grew up for all those years. Uh, I just wonder, don't you, friends, how many real believers there were after Jesus spent those years and years in Nazareth. No wonder Joseph was a frustrated, sad person, seeing the unbelief of the community. And when Jesus, you remember, came back to preach, they were amazed at what he said and what he had done in the realm of miracles but they rejected him cast him over a cliff if they could have to kill him he said a prophet is not without honor save in his own country so friends the question is this do you believe in him you say well i haven't seen him you don't have to faith is the substance of things not seen that the spirit of god is revealed to us to our hearts through his written word the bible which is a sword of the Spirit living and powerful to do the work of God. Believe in him, friend, like James did and Judas did, not because you see his resurrection, but because you believe his word by the Holy Spirit of God.
0: I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you're listening to Encounter God's Truth, a Bible teaching broadcast outreach of Whitcomb Ministries, Incorporated. To learn more about the ministry God has given us, visit us at whitcombministries.org. And to hear this program again, as well as more than 700 other sermons and broadcasts, go to sermonaudio.com forward slash whitcomb. The theme you'll find through all these resources is that God's word is true from the beginning to the end. Now, I have a question for you, Dr. Whitcomb, in light of your message today. It seems hard to comprehend that the other children of this godly couple, Mary and Joseph, would not have been believers. Wouldn't Jesus' miracles have had an impact on them?
1: Friends, isn't this an amazing thing that seeing miracles saves nobody? In fact, Jesus said, this is an evil, adulterous generation that seeks for signs. And no sign should be given to them except the sign of Jonah, namely, my resurrection from the dead. Now, here's the profound reality. Joseph, of course, never lived to see a single miracle of Jesus. You knew that, don't you? Because John chapter 2 tells about the miracle he performed at the wedding of Cana, the beginning of his miracles. Joseph was already gone. How do you know? Because only Mary was there, and apparently some of the children might have been there. But but Joseph was gone. Let me put it this way. This may surprise us. Even if Joseph had seen a miracle performed by Jesus, that wouldn't have saved him either. How was he saved? How was Mary saved? Listen to this, Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must what? Believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's the dynamic of salvation. The Lord Jesus, of course, made that clear, didn't he, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must believe, like Abraham, not seeing anything, not seeing miracles, but believing God's precious, infallible, self-authenticating word. How how can a person be saved that way? Because we have the image and likeness of God. We have the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus said He would send to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit makes the Word of God real, vital, dynamic, life-transforming, just like happened to me when I was a student at Princeton University many years ago. I didn't have to see a miracle. No, I had to, what, believe the gospel, the good news of salvation. So the Holy Spirit makes it evident and clear and powerful. And I say, Lord, that's amazing. We're not just believing anything, believing what you said, because you have created in every human being who's ever lived, Your image, your likeness, and if anyone rejects what you say, illumined by your spirit, the Holy Spirit, that person is condemned. This is the condemnation, friends, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, neither would they come to the light, especially Jesus, the light of the world, lest their deeds should be reproved. So the amazing fact is, friends, that Joseph wasn't a believer because he saw a sinless boy in his home for all those years growing up. Mary wasn't a born-again believer because she saw her son living a perfect life. No, they were believers because they believed what God had said through his word, and that's how every Jew who was a regenerated Jew, a new covenant Jew, a born-again Jew, became a believer, never, ever by seeing a miracle. I say, Lord, that's that's amazing because that's true today then, isn't it? I don't have to see Jesus. I don't have to see a miracle worker. I don't have to see a sinless person. I have to believe the wonderful message of God's word, the Bible. The gospel, that Christ died for our sins on that cross, rose again the third day, and I say thank you, Lord. How simple, how clear, how powerful is the message. Believe and be saved. Trust him. Take him at his word. And you'll never be the same again. You'll be with him in heaven forever and forevermore.
0: Well, Joseph was indeed a simple man, but God worked in his life through means that still amaze us today. And the Bible says that he was a righteous man who did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He's a great example for husbands and fathers to follow in that way. Thanks, Dr. Whitcomb, for that answer. Remember to join us on Facebook.com forward slash Whitcomb Ministries throughout this Advent and Christmas season and prepare for his coming you'll be encouraged by some special devotionals and unique audio messages that Dr. Whitcomb has prepared for you there. Also, we'll be featuring Christmas messages all this month at sermonaudio.com forward slash Whitcomb. We trust that will help you enlighten your holiday season. Well, like his Old Testament namesake, this Joseph was a dreamer of dreams, and we'll consider that topic next week here on Encounter God's Truth. Until then, may the Lord bless you and your family at this special time of year.